Hey, I'm excited to be uh, speaking today, and uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to talk about a man in the Bible by the name of Abram. Say Abram. Abram. Abram was an, an awesome individual, and, and I have our key story, but before we read the story in our, our opening story, I want to bring some context to his life, uh, because there's a lot of people in this place, and you probably have no idea who Abram, or who later in life would be Abraham, is who he is and what's he, what he's all about. Abram, he grew up in a town with his, his father and his two brothers. Abram's dad's name was Terah, and his brother's names were Nahor and Haran. Crazy names, but that was their names. And uh, they grew up in this town, and as they were growing up, at some point in Abram's life, his, his brother passed away. Heron. He passed away, and not sure how he passed away, but after his passing, his, his dad, Terah, looked at Abram and said, Hey, Abram, we, we got to go. We're going we're gonna to be moving now. And, um, and so Abram packs his bags, and, and they get ready to go. He says, Dad, where are we going? Terah, the father, says, We're heading to this, this land that's called Canaan. And so they make their way to Canaan, Abram and his wife, all their animals, and you know, anytime you're taking a long trip somewhere, you always make pit stops. Sometimes you end up staying longer at the pit stops than you should, should be staying, and your, you know, three-hour journey is now taking you 10 hours to get to your destination, and this is kind of what happened with Abram and his father. The Bible says as they were headed to Canaan, Terah pulled off the road and stopped in a place called Haran. Go figure. The same name of his son that had passed, and they, they park in, in Haran, and, and a day goes by, and Abram's probably thinking, I, I don't think we need to unload everything. I don't think we're going to stay here very long, but two weeks go by, and three weeks go by, and a couple of months go by, and a couple of years go by, and I'm sure Abram's thinking, Dad, are we ever going to head to Canaan? And the Bible says this, in Genesis chapter 11, verse 32, it says, Terah lived for 205 years, and he died while still in Haran. This was Abraham's life growing up. Abraham didn't grow up in a family that went to church. Abraham's dad wasn't some hardcore believer that said, Abraham, put God first. It was Abram. This is the life that he lived in. It's really interesting, even in Joshua, years later, when God would be talking through Joshua to the Israelites, he would even talk about Abram's dad, Terah. In Joshua chapter 24, 24 verse 2, it says, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in, in old times, and they served other gods, even God's bringing some context to the household that Abram grew up in. They didn't even believe in God. He settled in Haran, and they didn't even make it to their destination. And we pick up the story here just one chapter later in verse 12. After Terah passes away, God comes knocking at the door, and he has a message for Abram. And this is what it says in verse 1 through 4. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family. And from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So Abram had been settling in this place where his dad had taken him. And God says, Abram, it's it's time to go. I got a plan for you. I I got a plan for you. I got a plan for your family. I I got a land I want to show you. Abram, I need you to pack your bags and get back on the freeway and start heading in that direction that I'm going to show you. And then God makes this extravagant promise to Abram. He's going to make his name great. He's going to have influence. Abram, who's a nobody, is going to be a somebody. God's going to use Abram to help everybody. God's going to use Abram to help the people around him. God's going to mark Abraham. There's going to be something on Abraham's life that when he walks in the room, there's just something different about Abraham. This is powerful. God makes this extravagant promise to him. I keep calling him Abraham, but he's still Abram in this part of the story. He makes these promises to Abram, and, and I really believe that these promises have a whole lot more to do with you than you know. You know what's really interesting about the promises that God made to Abram on that day? Those promises still ring true today. Now, you might be saying, that's really cool for Abram, but I'm not a part of Abram's family. I'm not related to Abram. That's awesome that Abram, you know, that God's going to make his name great, but God would never make my name great. I'm just a nobody. I live in the wrong zip code. I've been through too much in my life. That's awesome that God's going to bless Abram to be a blessing to other people, but God will never use me. The promise he made to Abram is the promise that he makes to you. In Galatians, in Galatians, in the New Testament, the Bible has something to say about this Abram guy. And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, verse 29, it says this, What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles, this is a representation of you, people that are not related to Abram, people that didn't come from the genealogy of Abram, people that live in Clovis today, people that live in Fresno, people that are online, people that live on the nice part of town, and people that live on the not-so-nice part of town. He would make this promise of the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed the good news to Abraham long ago. When he said, all the nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Well, what does that mean? That means that when you put your faith in Jesus, you just got connected to the lineage of Abram. Verse 29 says, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. It's easy to look at everybody else's life, but can I remind you that you have a great, 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 great granddad whose name was Abram, who God made a promise to a long time ago and said, Abram, this promise isn't going to end with your kids that you're going to see and witness with your own eyes. This promise will last forever. That in 2023, there will be a people that have access to the same promise that you have access to today. 
hey, Abram, it belongs to you. Why you mesmerize what your neighbor has? You are a covenant child of God, and you are a seed of Abraham. Why are you getting all tied up and all weird about your family that you've been raised by and, and all the reasons why you shouldn't make it? You are an heir of the promise. There is something that belongs to you today. You know, I love God because God could use a hundred million different people, but he picked a family that didn't even believe in him. He picked a family that didn't want nothing to do with God. God used that family to bless you. God can use anything. God can use anything. God can use anybody that is available to be used by him. The blessing belongs to you. You have more in common with this Abraham guy than you know. You may not be naturally related, but spiritually you are related to Abraham. Does that make Abraham God? No. That was just the channel in which God used to bring the blessing into your life. You're a seed. You're an heir of Abraham. Now, that's awesome, Andrew. I'm a part of that lineage. I'm not Jewish, but I'm a part of that lineage. I've been engrafted into that family. Yes, that's awesome. So my name can be great. Yes. So I can be a blessing. Yes. So I don't have to let the world dictate my success. Yes. But then, Andrew, why doesn't my life look like Abram's life looked? Why isn't my name great? Why is my family known for this? Why am I known for that? Why when people remember me, they just remember the bad parts of me? This is huge. Because if I want what Abram had, I have to do what Abram did. If I want what Abram had, I have to do what Abram did. And anytime you're in church and we start talking about what you're supposed to do, our, our mind goes into this religious performance mindset. Bunch of do's and don'ts. Crud. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. And you're seeing it all wrong. God's not in heaven seeing how well you perform so he can give you a C minus this week. Yet we live our lives viewing how well we did this week and we allow that to determine how well I can believe this week. So if I had a C average in my Christianity test this week, I can believe like a C average student. If I had an A, oh man, I did so good this week, I could believe God big. You're, you're, you're missing the point. God is not really concerned about your performance as much as he is about your position. God is not concerned about your performance as much as he's concerned about your position. Do you know that every time God asks you to do something, it's not to grade you, it's to position you. When God says, don't do this, it's not so he can sit there and say, let's see if they did that, Jesus. Oh, he failed. Man, you stink. No. He's trying to position you so that you can be at the right place at the right time so that his blessings can flow. Years ago, I went on a fishing trip, 
I had to ask Anthony if it was him on the story because I couldn't remember. I've gone on a lot of trips. But I remember this one specific trip. Anthony and I, we went to this big pond. We'd never been there before. My brother-in-law took us. I was standing there fishing with my brother-in-law, and we weren't catching anything. Across the pond, there was this really big rock. And my brother-in-law, he looked at Anthony and said, Anthony, walk around the pond and go stand in front of the rock and just drop your line right in the water. So Anthony, he grabs his pole, grabs his stuff, and, and, and he's finally making his way around the pond, and the rock's there, but he stops about, like, right here. He's, he's in the vicinity of the rock. He's probably thinking, well, fish probably swim over here, too, and throws his pole in the water, and he's catching nothing. Ten minutes go by, nothing. Twenty minutes go by, nothing. Thirty minutes go by, nothing. About 30 minutes later, some random dude comes out of the trees, and he comes, and he stands in front of this rock. Anthony's to his right. This man is right here. He drops the pole in the water and within seconds he pulls up a fish. Anthony's looking over. I'm looking over. I'm thinking, what is Anthony doing? He puts his pole, his, his line back on another fish. Another fish. He pulled out like six to seven fish in the matter of ten minutes. You know when Anthony came back around? You know my brother-in-law didn't say, you know what Anthony? Shame on you. You can't have dinner tonight. You know what, Anthony? I don't really trust you anymore. Anthony, I don't like you very much. My brother-in-law wasn't thinking about performance. My brother-in-law was upset about the position. He wasn't grading Anthony because he didn't listen to him. He was saying, Anthony, I wasn't, it wasn't about the performance. It was about you being at the right place at the right time. And so many times we think that we're making our way back to God, and God's like, yeah, you were bad. Yeah, you were this. God's like, no, actually, you just missed out on what I had for you. It really wasn't about your performance. It was really about your position. Your obedience will line you up. It'll line you up. Don't try to formulate this thing. Don't formulate this thing. It's really easy to start to formulate how you think God's going to do it and what you need to do. If you do the right things without faith, it doesn't work. This is why we get up and teach about offering and giving before you give anything. Because if you just throw something in the bucket and don't even have faith for what you're doing, it don't work. Faith without works is dead, but works without faith, it's just as dead. It just looks pretty. So if I want what Abram had, I, I've got to do what Abram did. And as we look at Abram's life, this is the one thing that we see first, and this is the one thing that we need to do if we're going to experience the promise that Abraham experienced. Number one is this. You must step out of the familiar you must step out of the familiar. In Genesis 12, 1, it said, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. You want to experience what God has for you? You're going to have to step out of the familiar. What does that mean? That means that there's some things that you can't take with you in your next season. That means there's some things that aren't going to work in your next season. God has a better tomorrow. God has another level for you to go. But there are some things in this season that can't go with you there. Abram, leave the family, 
leave the house, leave the country. I'm taking you somewhere, and you can't take any of that stuff with you. This is difficult because I like familiar things. I like familiar things. I was just raised like this. I love, this is how I think. This is how I am. This is just the way I've always been. That might work here, but it won't work in your next season. And if you take some of those things with you into this next season, you will mess up this next season. What is a blessing and supposed to be a blessing will start to look like a curse. There's a danger to prematurely stepping into your next season. Not because your next season wasn't ready, but because you weren't ready. And it's really easy to step into like this next level of life, not having to dealt with any of the stuff you should have dealt with, stepping over here, and all of a sudden, this, this, this next level that was supposed to be like a great level starts to, starts to be bad. So now you start to question your season instead of questioning yourself, instead of questioning those things that you weren't even supposed to bring with you here. When I was in elementary school, me and my friends, we always hung out in front of a certain classroom before school. And uh, we were hanging out one day, and one of my buddies brought in a new buddy. Never met this guy. His name was Sean. Your name is Sean. This story, though it's kind of bad, doesn't mean that it's applicable to you. So Sean comes and joins our group. So we're talking, having a good time. Sean's a cool dude. As we're hanging out, I'm realizing near this door, it really stinks. It smells bad. So I'm like, guys, we got to go. So we go to the library. We're hanging out in the front of the library, doing our thing, having some good conversation. And I'm realizing it smells really bad here, too. Let me go to the jungle gym, the playground. And we're hanging out and having a good time. But as I'm standing there, I, it still smells like somebody stepped in some dog doo-doo. It's stinky. So we leave that destination to go to our fourth destination. But this time, I'm a little suspicious of Sean. I, I start walking near Sean and just take a whiff. Woo. And I realized that the problem was never the location. The problem was what we brought with us that we weren't supposed to be bringing with us. Abram, I got a place for you to go, but there are some things that cannot go with you. For some of you, for some of you, those things, for some of you, those things are mindsets. It's the way that you think. It's the way that you think your mindset is limiting you. It's the way that you think. You got to pay attention. It's a mindset. No, it's just the way I was raised. No, it's a mindset. And that mindset's going to have to stay at the door before you move to the next season. I don't know how deep I should go, but for some of us, we have such a mindset of poverty. Every time someone's giving something away for free, even if I don't need it, I show up to the door. What is it? It's a mindset of poverty. Ouch. Hey, that's how I grew up. I'll take every handout. I'll take everything that you offer. I don't care if I need it or not. I'm going to take it. But when I got saved, God said, challenge that mindset. Stop bargaining with everybody. Challenge that mindset. Now, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with it. But if that is a deep-rooted mindset in you, sometimes to deal with the mindset, you just have to go pay above that they're asking for. Because it wasn't really about the amount. It was about the principle or the mindset. And 
God has a promise to make you rich, but if you're acting poor, when you get there, you'll be as broke as you were over here. It's a mindset. Abram, there are some things that are normal to you that have to stay there before you go here. For others, it maybe isn't a mindset. For some of us, it's, it's like what it was for Abraham. It's people. Not everybody is going to go with you into the next season that God has for you. As much as you want them to, as much as you want God's best for them, they ain't going with you into this next season. I know, but I love them so much, and I care about them, and I see their potential, their potential to slow you down when you get in season number two. You know, I think it's really funny because Jesus is, is awesome about this. Jesus would give people the opportunity to take a next step, and those people, they really didn't want it. They, they didn't. And you know what Jesus did when he came across people that really didn't want it for themselves? Jesus did not let his desire for him that wanted it more to override their desire who did not want it. So Jesus would just say, you know what? Have fun. I'm out. The rich young ruler, amazing guy, probably more qualified than all of the disciples that Jesus had. The guy was nearly perfect. Jesus, what do I need to do? Jesus said, just do this. Come follow me. The guy's like, no, nah, I don't know. He starts walking away. You know what most of us would do? We'd run after him. Oh, no, don't leave. Don't leave. I'll make an exception. But Jesus knows where we are going. I can't have that. Can I tell you something? I know you love those people. But you are not God. You are not God to those people. And as long as you're playing Savior for them, they'll never have need of a Savior for them. And as long as you're playing God for them, they'll ever have need of God for them. I know it's tough. It's hard for Abram. I got to say bye-bye to people I love. I got to say bye to that. That's tough. And that's why a lot of people settle when they should have stepped in to the next phase to better than ever of what God had for them. Got to leave the familiar, Abram, leave your country, leave your family. But he didn't just have to step out of the familiar. He had to step in to the unfamiliar. He had to step into the unfamiliar. It wasn't just saying bye-bye to the familiar. He had to be willing now to step into the unfamiliar. It's funny when God gives Abram some directions. doesn't give really good directions. In the verse 1 again, it says, it's God's response after he tells him to leave everything. He says, and go to the land that I will show you. Go. I'll show you later. Just go to the land that I will show you. If I'm Abram and I'm walking away from my security blanket and I'm walking away from everything that's familiar, I'm going to want some directions, God. I'm going to need some clarity. But it really isn't about the clarity. It's about you learning how you can trust God even when you don't have all the answers. He had to be willing to step into the unfamiliar. How do you know? How do you know if, if you're stepping into the unfamiliar that's inspired by God? It'll make sense to your heart, but it won't make sense to your head. Like, I know that I'm supposed to do this, but man, that doesn't make any sense. Man, I believe that God put this dream on the inside of me, and I feel like this is what God is leading me to do, and I believe it right here, but in my head, it doesn't make sense. That's what happens when you're stepping into the unfamiliar. 
And in that moment, you have one of two decisions. I could either listen to my heart, the Holy Spirit on the inside, or I can listen to my head, logistics, stats. What's the likeliness of me succeeding if I take that step? Abraham didn't have that option. If I take this step, it's scary. If I take this step, it's really, really unfamiliar. God, that is really intense. God, that, that's, that's too far-fetched. I know Abram, but you can't just leave what's familiar. Man, I need you to step into the unfamiliar. Go to the land I will show you. I'll never forget getting my financial aid when I was graduating from high school. Thank God I barely graduated. Night school was a prayer answered for me. Got all my credits back up, getting ready to graduate and getting together all my financial aid money and I'm ready to go. I at least have my next two years covered. I'm solid. Going to go to a junior college. And that was as far as I seen. That was it. Two, that's it. Two years. I didn't even know what I was going to go to college for. I just didn't know what else I was going to do. So I get all my financial aid money. I'm ready to go. And then I show up to this church and my life was wrecked. Be careful when you step into Celebration Church because God might speak to you and he might ask you to do something that sounds crazy now but will make sense years later. And I remember being in an experience where I felt a call to ministry. This was a foreign concept. This didn't make sense to me. This didn't say make sense to my family. This didn't make sense to anybody that I knew, anybody that I grew up with. This just didn't make sense. Andrew, go to the land that I will show you. That's how I felt. But in my heart, I knew it was right. But in my head, I felt like I was crazy. But I had to make a move. And I'm so grateful that I was able to take that step to not be held back by the limitations that life would want to put on you. God has big plans for you. The unfamiliar can be scary. And I was thinking to myself, because I scratch my head all the time. Like if you knew my family... If you knew the lineage of my bloodline, you would be thinking you are the furthest person that should ever be on a stage. I have too, too much respect for my family and those that are no longer with me to sit up here and tell you the stories. But I scratched my head thinking, God, did you get the right person? God, this just doesn't make sense. God, this is so unfamiliar. And sometimes the reason why the step that God is leading you to take feels so unfamiliar is because sometimes that assignment that he's leading you to take used to belong to somebody else. And they settled. So God said, Andrew, I talked to your great-great-grandpa to be a preacher. And he settled. So this assignment I'm going to give you is really unfamiliar. It was not one that was on your agenda. It is not the one that lines up with your aspirations to be on a beach in Maui. But I have an assignment. Are you willing to take it? Abraham, go to the land I will show you. Isn't it interesting that he sent Abraham to the same place that his daddy should have already been at. 
Sometimes your assignment is unfamiliar because you're picking up some things from some people that have gone before you. And God is not intimidated by it. God is not worried by it. You are the man for the job. You are the woman for the job. You are the one that God has called to finish what was started. Oh, I love my family. But if I got to finish it, I'm going to finish it. If God picks me, then he picks me. He's not making no more mistakes. I say yes to the unfamiliar. Oh, it's going to be a little bit scary, but when you step into that, God's not going to leave you hanging. What's going to help me do that? The only thing that can help you step into something unfamiliar is trusting God. There's no other way around it. You're going to have to trust him. God, where are we going? I'll show you. Can't trust you. I tr- you mean I really have to trust God? How easy is it to trust God when you have nothing to trust him for? I tell people all the time, just trust God. And then when I really got to trust him, oh, Jesus, help me. It's difficult. But when you step into the unfamiliar, you're going to have to trust him. You're going to trust him. And when people are saying it don't make any sense, you're going to have to trust that what he put inside of you was from him. You're going to have to trust him. You're going to have to trust him. There's so much in the story. But Abram, he steps out of the familiar and he steps in to the unfamiliar. And, and Ben, you can come up and help me, but there's something I just feel led to do in this service and really just to pray for you and Man, Pastor Cherie was so on it just a moment ago as she began to declare things over your life. Don't underestimate the power of your words. Don't underestimate the power of what you are saying. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, it says, I will give you the keys. What do keys do? Keys lock things. And they unlock things. Give you the keys, authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, speaking to you, whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper or unlawful on earth, will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, you permit, declare lawful on earth, will have already been loosed in heaven. In other words... In other words, what the Bible is saying is that heaven has your back. Whatever you say, heaven will back you up, good or bad. If you permit it, heaven says, hey, angels, we got to permit it. If you bind it, heaven says, angels, bind it. The way you do this is with your words. When you walk around all day saying, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, you know what heaven does? Man, I wish they would change their vocabulary. But if they want to be sick, I gave them the authority to choose. (laughs) We blame everything on God. Well, if God wanted this, this should have happened. If, If God really loves us, then why does this happen? Because people give authority to things they shouldn't be giving authority to. That's the answer for somebody that's been tripping about getting in fights with people that want to say all this stuff about God and God don't let no you give authority to things and God has to permit it because he gave you keys he gave you keys so what you say heaven says I'll back that up good or bad so when I walk around and I say you know what my name is great 
My name is great. I'm, I'm blessed. You know what heaven says? I back that up. I back that up. I back that up. What you say is huge, and, and God knows this. And this is why we see something transform in Abram's life. In Genesis 17, 3 through 5, it says this, At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. God made this statement before Abram, Abram even had a son. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. Abram meant one thing, but Abraham meant the father of a multitude, a father of many nations. So God understood something. If we're going to see some different results, we got to start calling it something different. If I'm going to see something change, I can't keep calling you the same thing. i got to call it something different. Abram, I ain't going to call you Abram anymore. i got to start calling you Abraham. It's faith. You know, it would have made sense for God to change his name after Abraham had a multitude of children. But God calls those things that be not as though they were telling you and I that you have permission today to call things that are not. Yeah, I know you don't feel well, but I'm the healed of the Lord. Yeah, I know your kids look crazy and far from God, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. They're marked by God. They're called by God. Their destiny is alive. Their purpose is alive. I know, but it don't look like it. It didn't look like it for Abram either. But God changed his name before his circumstance ever changed. I got to rename some things. I got to rename some things. For some of us, this is our homework today. We got to rename some things. Be careful what you are calling things. Got to rename some things. For some of you, you need to be renamed. You need to be renamed. God's going to change your name. God's going to change your name. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go to the courtroom and change your name unless God's leading you to do it. But God's going to change your name. He did this with many people in the Bible. And I believe some names are shifting here. I believe as you take the step of leaving the familiar, as you take the step of stepping into the unfamiliar, that God's going to start to change your name that people are going to identify you as something that you, that, that you never were, as something incredible, as something great. Man, what God can do in a room this size, God has incredible plans for you, and he's going to change your name. And I want to invite you to stand because I feel led just to pray in this moment for you, just to pray. There are things that have been spoken over you by people that you love. There's things that have been spoken over you by culture. There's things that have been spoken over you by, by your friends. There's labels and identities that you've embraced. And um, for most of us, we can clearly see that those, that, that identity has lived up to its name. You look the part. You are the very thing that they said that you would be.
and you hate it. You're the very thing that your spouse said that you would be, and you hate it. But if a person can change your name, what more could happen when God changes your name? When God re-identifies you? And I just feel in this moment, before we give people an opportunity to be saved, I just feel like we need to tear down some negative names, and we need to establish some positive names. Father, I just thank you for every person that is in this room today. Your children, your sons, and your daughters. And God, right now in this moment, I just pray that they, that they would experience your love for them. God, that your love would flood their hearts right now. That your love, Holy Spirit, would, would fill their hearts right now. That they would know in their hearts that you love them, that you are for them and not against them. That you don't stand here holding their past against them, that they would feel the immensity of your love. And God, over every negative name, over every lie that has been spoken over their life, right now in the name of Jesus, we destroy every lie. We destroy every lie of the enemy. That is not your identity. You are marked by God. That is not your identity. You are an overcomer. That is not your identity. You are not a worrier. You are brave. You are bold. That is not your identity. You are not worthless. You are not ugly. You are a child of the Most High God. That is not your identity. You are not too old. You are not too old. God's best is still in front of you. You are not useless. You are useful. God can do more in this part of your life than everything that you've already lived out. You are who God says that you are. You're a child of God. You are loved by God. You will hit your mark. You will reach your destiny. You will live the life that God has called you to live. God, we just thank you today for your word. We thank you for your word, God, that is our anchor. Your word that we can trust in. Your word that we can put our faith in. And today we refuse to be led by our emotions and our feelings. We grab a hold of something greater. We grab a hold of something more real. We grab a hold of something that, 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 that is stable. We, we grab a hold of something that never changes, and that's your word. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 